It's always a joy to worship the Lord together with the people of God. The house of God is not this building. The house of God is when we all gather together. Amen. And you're sitting next to someone whom Jesus loves, whom Jesus honors, whom Jesus has died for. So don't get irritated with one another. Learn to honor the one whom Jesus has honored. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to be here till 2 p.m. All right, so it's going to be a long service. So just keep your mentality prepared. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the word is alive, it is living, it is powerful. And right now, Lord, we open our hearts to receive the seed of the word, which is full of life, full of anointing and power that will transform our lives and cause us never to be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. All right, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 to 13. We're continuing the series on honor, the currency, heaven. And when we say honor is the currency, what we mean is that it is spiritual currency. In your pockets, you have rupees. Rupees is the national currency of India. And in order to do business, buy anything from any shop, you have to give rupees in order to get what you want. In the same way, honor, which is esteem, which is value, which is respect, not only from your heart, but also with your words and your time and your gifts and your finances, because honor always involves something what it means is this. You have to give honor in order to access kingdom riches. You have to give honor in order to access heaven's riches. Hallelujah. So that's what we mean by honor, the currency of heaven. And so I really want our church to understand this, get this as a revelation and become a people of honor. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of honor. God is a God of honor. He kept His word. Whatever He says, He always does it. He said, I will send a deliverer and God sent a deliverer to Israel. God said, I will send a Messiah, a Savior who will save the world. And God kept His promise because He's a God of honor. And He wants us to be people of honor. People of honor. So that in our lifestyle, in our choices, in our day-to-day -day interactions with God and with one another, we do so in the currency of honor. Honor the Holy Spirit when He's moving in the congregation. When people are here in the front and they're being touched and they're crying, don't just be talking at the back, I mean, switching on your phones and just browsing. That's dishonor, right? Honor the Word when it's being taught. Don't be browsing on your phones during the time of the preaching. Honor the Word. Honor the presence of the Lord. Honor the time of ministry. I tell you, if you will practice this, don't take the things of God lightly. Don't take the things of church lightly. Don't be so concerned about another five minutes, another 10 minutes. Just learn to honor. And I tell you, you will be blessed tremendously because honor is a pathway to life. If you study the Bible about Moses and Joshua, it is said that when Moses would go and worship the Lord in the tabernacle of meeting and he would finish his time of prayer, Joshua would remain outside the tent. And even after Moses has left, Joshua would be there, lingering in the presence of the Lord. Another 10, 15, 20 minutes, he just stayed. Even after the service was over, because he honored God so much. He honored the presence of the Lord. And that's why he became the next leader of Israel. Hallelujah. So, 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, 
David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to see David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Underline that. <coughs> the Lord's anointed. To stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stood with his face to the earth and bowed down. He bowed down to the man who wants to kill him. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks you harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, he called Saul, my father. See, Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. Okay, this is a wonderful story of how David walked in honor towards ungodly authority. I've been talking about 10 people that the Bible says we must honor. So number seven on the list for today is this, honoring government officials and authority figures. And I want you to look up on the PowerPoint and look at these verses. Romans 13 verses one to two. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Underline this. There is no authority except from God. That means even the government, the chief minister, the prime minister, government authority, civil authority, police authority, military authority, they have a blessing from God to rule and to govern the land. And to keep the righteousness of the Lord. So every authority, the Bible says, has come from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now this is God's word. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Romans 13 verse 7. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. That's what the Bible is saying. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And Peter says this about the emperor who is persecuting and killing Christians. And yet Peter says, honor the emperor. So I want you to understand that every authority that is in the land, godly, and the rightful authority. I'm not talking about thieves, extortioners. I'm talking about rightful authority. Amen? It's appointed by God. And the Bible commands, it's not a suggestion, it's a command to honor the authorities. Now, usually we have no problem with that. The problem is when it's ungodly authority and when it harms our personal interests. So we see in the life of Saul how we must respond to ungodly authority. Here we see Saul the king is attempting to kill David. 
3,000 people it takes looking after David. And it's not a friendly neighborhood visit. They're after his head. The Bible records that there are 10 times, everyone said 10 times, 10 times the Saul tries to kill David. Twice with his own spear he threw at David. So obviously, David is not having emotions of devotion and honor and respect towards Saul. David is not having that. But yet, when David has an opportunity to kill Saul, not only once, twice, even in 1 Samuel chapter 26, David has another opportunity to kill Saul. But in both those occasions, David withholds his hands and he says, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointing. He withheld his hand and he restrained the hand of his servants. Even when that ungodly authority was after him, persecuting him, wanting to destroy him. Several times, people in authority also have attacked me and have tried to destroy me and my ministry and even this church. They've attacked my doctrine and my integrity, even pastors in this city, other leaders in this city and around the world. They've attacked my intentions and motives. And these were people whom I respected, whom I honored and even served. And yet they were like Saul against me through the words and their intentions towards me. And let me tell you the truth. It was very difficult emotionally for me. I was hurt. I was confused. And even in private, there were a couple of times I raised my hands against them. No, I didn't raise my physical hand. I raised this hand. And sometimes this hand is worse than this hand. Right? For this hand, you just need four feet. This hand, you can beat anyone around the world. You're sitting here in Kohima and you can slap the president of America with this hand. Through dishonor, through your wrong attitudes. So I raised my voice in private. But of course, the Lord taught me about honor. And so when I met them in public after that, it was very difficult to honor them and to respect them. But I did it out of obedience towards God. Like I said, it must have been very difficult for David because Saul was after David and it was not just a one, two incident. It was for years, over 10 years maybe, that Saul was after David. And David became a fugitive, living in caves, living in foreign lands, being hunted down by other kings because of Saul. So he must have felt the injustice in his heart for no fault of his. He has done nothing wrong. He has served Saul. He has killed Philistines on behalf of Saul. He killed Goliath for Saul's benefit and yet he was persecuted by this man. And yet David understood, Saul is still king of Israel. Even though God has rejected him, he is still on the position. Even though the anointing has left him, he is still in that position. And David understood that position is also blessed by God. The position of the prophet, the priest, and the king in the Old Testament was blessed by God. So Saul is in that position. And therefore, Saul is God's anointed leader even though David did not agree with the way Saul was running the country. He knew that the position deserved respect and honor whether the man deserved it or not. Just like worldwide leaders, many leaders may not deserve your respect, but the position they are in deserves our honor and our respect. I want you to understand this. David's path to promotion. David's path to becoming the next king depended on him passing the test of honor. These two times that David had to kill Saul, it was a test from God. There are other kings in the history of Israel who became kings by killing the one above them. They killed their own fathers. Did you know that? 
If you read the book of Kings and 1 Samuel and the Chronicles, it's like a drama. Drama. One king killing the other king. The general killing the king so that they become kings. All of treason and betrayal. Witchcraft included. All of the human vices are seen in the Bible in the book of Kings, 1st and 2nd. And many of those kings failed the test. But David, he withheld his hand. He withheld his mouth. And he honored Saul even when Saul was attacking him. He honored Saul even when Saul wanted to destroy him. In fact, he blessed Saul. He called him father. He called him my lord, the king. He wept when Saul died. He took care of Saul's grandchildren. Even when the man was after him, he blessed Saul. That was a test for David in order to become king. I want you to look at a couple of verses here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This shows the heart of grace in Jesus Christ. And this is what God wants us to be. When Jesus was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten or condemn, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Several years ago, when we bought a first piece of land, not this, another piece of land somewhere up there, we paid 18 lakhs in advance, and the owner of that land cheated us. I was so angry. I wanted to call him and say, God will judge you. I was threatening him, trying to condemn him using the name of God. But God checked my heart and said, I'm not supposed to threaten people in his name. It is not my place. My part is to bless, to forgive. Let God judge. Let God be the vindicator. Can you say amen? Amen. That is what we tend to do when we face injustice, even as Christians. But the Bible says Jesus did not threaten or condemn. He kept his peace. Look at 1 Peter 3 verse 9. Not returning evil for evil. When people insult you, don't insult back. When people gossip about you, what do you want to do? Don't insult back or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Always move in the opposite direction of the world. If people curse you, bless them. If people gossip about you, say good things about them. Amen. That's how the kingdom of God operates. On the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit the blessing. Look at the Bible. It says, you will inherit the blessing if you will honor those who are against you. That's a test. And that's what David experienced in his life. Even when people were against him, no one could stop God's will in his life. David knew that. And that is why, wherever you are working, wherever you are studying, even if there are people against you, dishonoring you, understand this. If it is God's will, there is no power of man, there's no power of the devil that can stop God's will in your life. Just surrender to the Lord and trust in His goodness. Many years back, my name was in a program to be one of the main speakers in a conference here in town. And then the organizers came back after a few days and says, we are so sorry, our senior pastor removed your name. We don't want you. Not him. They, they wanted me, but the leaders did not want me to speak in the conference. What did I do? I did nothing. Did I defend myself? I did nothing. I kept my mouth silent. I kept on blessing him in public and even in private. Initially, I was insecure. I was like, man, if these people are against me, how will my ministry grow? But I knew this. There is no power of man. There is no power of the enemy that can stop God's purpose and will in my life if I will just trust in the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And they have not been able to stop. You can see how millions are hearing the word of God from this place. Hallelujah. They try to stop me from 500. It's okay. God will give me the millions to preach the gospel to. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God is good. Can you say all the time? 
See, David chose to honor the position above the person. And by doing that, he knew he showed honor to God. Honor to God. How do we show honor to godly authority, ungodly authority? Take these points down. You can honor government officials because of the position they hold. If they are corrupt and immoral, deal with the issue with evidence, not attacking the person or the family. All right? There is a proper place and platform to voice out your disagreement. Lashing out without any control on social media is not appropriate unless it is properly done in a proper platform, even on social media. The best place to voice out your disagreement is the voting booth. But if we sell our right in the voting booth, we have no right to voice our disagreement. All right? What you can also do is write respectful correspondence to voice your opinions or concerns instead of dishonoring just blindly with our mouth, insulting them. If you want to see blessing and prosperity in your life, don't block it by dishonoring those in authority. And this would be all types of authority, governmental, military, civil, even doctors when you go to hospital, right? traffic policemen, and so on. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, the Bible says that there is punishment for those who despise authority. There is consequences, let me put it that way, for those who despise authority. And the word punish there, because the Bible uses the word punish, the word punish there is literally the word dwarf. So when you despise authority, the Lord's hand is on you to dwarf you. To dwarf you means there's no promotion. You don't grow. And I've seen this primarily in the church a lot. People who are gifted, talented, anointed, and yet they dishonor the church, they dishonor the leadership in the church, and they want the ministry to grow, but they are dwarfs. I mean, in the, I'm not saying, understand me, we're not insulting them, but it's like God has dwarfed them. God has dwarfed them. So that's the consequence. You remember the time that when Jesus was on the cross, he said to the Heavenly Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, right? And he said that of whom? The ones who nailed his hands, the ones who nailed his feet, the ones who whipped him, the ones who mocked at him, spat at him. Those same persons, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He was honoring even his enemies, till his last breath. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible says he was lifted up to the highest place. Number eight, honor your children. Ephesians chapter six, verse four says, do not provoke your children to wrath. So parents, honor your children. Elder generation, honor the younger generation. Adults, honor the children. I mean, what a great job the Kingdom Kids Prison Worship Team did, right? Come on, let's give them a warm hand again. Hallelujah. One of the ways we honor them is to give them opportunity from time to time to display the gift. Amen. Honor even the younger generation. Honor is not only honoring people above you. People who are rich, people who drive Scorpios, but people who drive Maruti, right? We, we are so fleshly in the way we honor. Someone is dressed well, we honor them. Someone is dressed in jeans, we dishonor them. Someone is pretty, beautiful looking, we honor them. The others, we don't give any regard to them. There's a beautiful story of how there was this man and his wife they wore a very simple suit and they went to Harvard to talk to the president of the university. And the secretary saw that they were very simple people wearing simple suit and so they did not give them an appointment to meet the president. They kept on waiting and waiting and waiting but they were not given the appointment because they looked so humble. They looked so poor. So insulted, they left that place. 
And that couple went to Stanford University. And guess what they did? They donated millions of dollars to that university. Millions. See, we tend to honor with our eyes. Someone looks impressive, we honor them. Someone shout and scream at us, we honor them. People who are quiet, humble, driving Maruti car, no respect and honor. That's why Nathan, everybody wants Scorpio. Right? Because we know no one will honor you if we ride a Maruti. See, the people of the world run after honor and respect in whatever way to get it. But we, looking to God alone, become people of honor. Whether people honor us, we honor, and I tell you, it comes back to us. God will honor you. Can you say amen? Amen. So honor the people even below you. So value your children. Esteem highly your children. Now, how do we do that? Underline this. Your children are not yours. All your parents, your children don't belong to you. They are a gift from God. They are just given into your hands for some time. You are only a steward of them. So handle them as God's, not yours. Because if you think they are yours, you will make them do what you want them to do. ESC, DSP, IAS, because you want to vicariously live through them also. You get honor and respect through them. Sometimes parents want to do that. See, they are not yours. So don't treat them as your own. How? To direct their lives according to your desires and your dreams. Your part is to direct them to God. Amen. Don't make them for, don't force them to do what you want in the career. Don't manipulate and control them against the will through guilt and shame. You must honor your children. How do you honor your children? Number one, give them affection. Number two, spend quality time with them. Three, speak words of affirmation to them. Compliment them. Don't ever tell them this. Your cousin is better than you. See, your cousin, first division, and you, what happened? That's dishonor. You're dishonoring the gift God put in your hands. So many parents have come to me and said, In front of the kids, even in the middle of a counseling, she is cursing the child and asking me to repair him. Do you know that the words of the parents are more powerful than the words of the pastor to your children? Amen. Make them a priority in your life. Discipline them. If you honor them, you will discipline them. Treat them as God's children. Teach them honor right now. Teach them to show respect. Parents. And I say, parents, I'm looking here and I see all young people only. I'm talking to future parents. Teach them to show respect. Elders, teachers, police officers, to the servants in the house. One of the best ways to teach honor to your children is this. Don't lie in front of them and make sure you teach them not to lie. Let me tell you this. Lying is dishonor. When you lie to someone, you're dishonoring that person. When you're lying to the customer, you're dishonoring him. Your customer may not know, but in the spirit, there's already opposition happening. Honor attracts. When you honor the customer, you will attract more customers. But when you dishonor the customer by lying, I tell you, your business will suffer. So lying is dishonoring to anyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not lie. Amen. Do not lie to God. Do not lie to the Holy Spirit. Do not lie to your pastors, to your leaders. Do not lie to one another. Now, I'm not saying tell everything. Use your wisdom. Know what to say, when to say amen. Hallelujah. But make sure you don't lie. Let me tell you a tragic story of a man who failed to honor his son. And his name is David again. 2 Samuel chapter 13, 14, and 15. Let me just share this story with you. Amnon, a son of David, rapes Tamar, a daughter of David, from different mother. Tamar is Absalom's sister. Absalom was the most handsome, most talented, and the most powerful prince of Israel after David. Now Absalom is hurt. His sister is raped. But guess what happened? For two years, David did not address the issue David did not discipline Amnon, nor did he soothe and comfort Absalom. 
So in a sense, David dishonored Absalom. Absalom kept quiet. He nursed his wound and his bitterness. And over the years, because it was not addressed, he decided to murder Amnon. When a wound is not addressed in time, it turns into murder. It turns into revenge. So Absalom murdered Amnon and he ran away to another country. For three years, Absalom stayed in that country, but David made no attempts to reconcile, to forgive, until the general of Israel, Joab, intervened and caused David to call Absalom back. So Absalom came back to Jerusalem, stayed in his house, but for another two years, David did not visit him or allow him any audience. So now Absalom is filled with bitterness and hurt. First, his sister is raped. David makes no attempt to comfort him, to deal with the situation. He brings no justice. And then for three years, he's a fugitive. David makes no attempt. For two years, he comes back to Jerusalem. David did not give him audience. Finally, after two years, because of Joab's insistence, David met Absalom. But by then, the damage is already done because now Absalom has decided to rebel against his father. Why? Because David did not honor Absalom at that moment. When the older generation does not honor the younger generation and listen to them, this is what can happen in home, in society, even in church. Now what did Absalom do? He rebelled. He got all the kings, and all the, all the generals. He got all the all soldiers to be on his side. And he rebelled and made himself king. And David had to flee from Jerusalem as a fugitive. But the sad part of this story is that God was with David and then David rallied and then they had the final battle and Absalom died. He was killed. So, Another point that we see here is this. When the young generation tries to take by force what should have come by grace from the elder generation, they bring destruction upon them. They bring a curse upon them. Now, Absalom was the prince that would have naturally become king. Instead of honoring his father and waiting for his time, Absalom decided to take before his time. And he was cursed. He died. So this is a great lesson for all of us, younger people. Don't be so impatient of the elder generation that you curse them. And you try to take by force what God wants to give you by grace. What God wants to give you by a blessing from the elder generation. You can see that play out so well in another community. Student groups sometimes are too careless with the words. They may have the position and the authority, but they are sometimes foolish with the words and the fervor and the energy that they lash out against the elders of our society without understanding the principles of God. Understand this. It is not only in church activities we honor. Outside the church, we don't honor because outside the church, God is not interested. God is interested in every area. And honor works there. And dishonor also works there. You may never go to church, but you dishonor someone in public, the principle of God will work there. You dishonor someone in the office, in the government schools, it will work there. Because it is a principle of God. It's a kingdom principle. It works everywhere. Not only in church or ministry or Christian activities. Now, our elders also sometimes have to understand not to insult the younger generation and actually give grace, give honor. Because the younger generation are going to be an authority in the days to come. And the elders also have to understand that. Amen. Can you say amen? So civil war came to Israel. Why? Because the father did not listen to the son and the son was not willing to be patient. Hallelujah. Later on in David's life, we see when the 
two armies went into battle. David honored his son. He told his soldiers, do not kill Absalom. Be gentle towards him. And when Absalom died, David cried. Now, there was a need to fight in battle because it's a civil war and David had to protect his kingship. But even in that, he was honoring towards Absalom. He did not want to vengefully destroy him. He did not want to behead him and take revenge. You see, that's not right. This dishonor. Can you defend yourself? You should. Does that mean that we uh, uh, Christians should never defend ourselves? Does that mean that Christian nations should never go to war? No. Even if it's an ungodly authority, there's a proper place and a proper situation where we are to respect. And then there are times when you will even have to defend yourself. Now those situations may be extreme, but there's a proper way to deal with injustice. It's called the courts. It's called a society. Right? David knew that he was going to go to war with Absalom and he knew that Absalom would die, but yet he instructed his soldiers, make sure you honor the king's son. Make sure you honor him. Don't do it spitefully. Amen. Hallelujah. There are times when Christians also need to take up arms to defend themselves. Oh, pastor, what are you saying? See, there are times when in war, First World War, Second World War, men went to war. Why? There's a just cause for war. There's a just cause against injustice. And of course, it is extreme, but it's in those moments when your existence is threatened. When the other nation or the other community wants to kill everyone, that's a just cause for Christians even to go to war. Oh, Pastor, what are you saying? The Bible says, do not kill, right? Why am I going here? Because some of you are looking at me very confused. That commandment, do not kill, if you study the root word, it actually means not murder. Okay? Anyway, there's a just cause for situations like that. But in a normal situation, ungodly authority, and also rebellious children, rebellious younger generation, the way to deal with it is like David. David did not attack the people above him. David did not attack the people below him. He maintained his heart in honor. And that is why God promoted him. And in the second place, God preserved him even when the people below him wanted to take from David. God preserved his kingdom because he walked in honor to his children in the end. Number nine, honoring others. Romans 12 verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you honor me, buy me coffee after this. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Yes. Look at Philippians 2, verse 3 to 5. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. The Bible is saying, regard others better than you. But how? I'm more educated. I'm dressed better. I'm more patient than him. How can I regard him better than myself? Ah, you have to see that that someone can do something in some area of life better than you. None of us is perfect. There's always someone who is able to do something better than you. Who is able to contribute in an area where you cannot contribute. So you have to see that gift, that talent, that ability, something they have that you don't have and honor that way. Amen. Honor the people who sweep the floor. Why? Because if I had to do that also, I cannot do what I'm doing. I preach, I teach, I travel to the nations, but I cannot do that if there are not people who are willing to sweep the floor every day in this church. Because if no one sweeps the floor and it's dirty, I cannot go out anymore. I have to do it. 
So I know we learn to honor everyone in the place that they are serving. Because ultimately, it is all benefiting all of us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Honor the people, the KMC truck people, dumpsters people. If they don't come to work for one week, the whole town will smell. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So honoring others, it's God's will. It's one of the ways that we display the grace of Christ and show the love of God to the world. So how do we honor others? Honor strangers. Whether rich or poor, young or old, Scorpio, two legs, villager, town, powerful, weak, rich, not rich, honor all. MLA, non-MLA, honor all. Amen. So don't say this. Powerful I say. I will honor the poor only. That's also wrong. See, some people out of spite towards the powerful and the rich, they say they will honor only the weak and the poor. That's also wrong because your heart is already impure there. You are to honor the rich and the powerful just as you honor the poor and the weak in the same way. We don't discriminate. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Honor the beautiful and also the ugly. Sometimes we give more attention to those who are tall, a little disadvantaged. Sometimes you honor fair people. And we don't give the same attention to dark people. Right or wrong? Because we move so much in the flesh. See, we have to learn to guard our heart in honor and not flow according to the mindset and the way, the spirit of the world. When I made out that video, it was on Instagram, it went viral, on Facebook also, when I spoke about corruption. Some people commented, yes, you should speak against corruption. Yes, you should speak about this. You speak about that. And most of the comments, even though they were supporting what I said, I sensed it came out of a hurtful heart, a wrong heart. So I had to put out a comment that says, just appreciate the word for itself. I'm not speaking against corruption. I'm speaking the word. I'm not speaking against MLAs, ministers, officers. I'm not speaking against them. I'm just speaking the word and honor the word for what it is and learn to apply it with honor without using the word to bash out against them. Don't use the word to dishonor our leaders again. Are you following me? Even when we speak the truth, we must speak with honor. Not with hate. Not in dishonor. It's the attitude of the heart. So telling someone you are wrong, it's not dishonoring. Telling your father, I'm not going to obey you, it is not dishonoring. It is honoring to say the truth with honor and grace in your heart, telling them the reasons why you cannot obey. So telling them, Father, I love you, I honor you, I respect you, but in this area, I cannot obey you because God is telling me to do this. That's honoring. This honor is this. Yes, Father, I will do whatever you say, but when he goes, you do whatever you want. That dishonor. Jesus tells a parable of the master who told his servants to go out in the field and work, and one servant said, yeah, 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 I will do it, I will do it. And when the master left, he didn't do anything. But there was another servant who said, I will not do it. But later on, he meditated and because his master said, he obeyed, even though he did not want to. So the one who said yes, out of his lips, he did not obey. That's dishonor. And you say, Amen. Hallelujah. Honor your customers when they come to your shop. I'm so strange. Sometimes when I see Nagas, they don't like customers to come to the shop. It's almost like, why are you disturbing me? Because I come to the shop, can I see that? Can I see that? Can I see that? That's what many Naga shops have shown in the attitude to me. I'm like, why should I buy from you? So when I go to other shops, 
Even though I ask 10 times, they're showing to me. And even if I don't buy, they're like, it's okay if you don't have to buy. So I want to go back to the shop the next time. Sometimes they give this attitude, I'll see you again. Kill the customer. Honor your customers. Even if they buy just 10 rupees, honor. That culture is important for Nagas to understand. Another thing I'll say, how do you honor someone? Okay, when you borrow a book from someone and you don't give it back, that's dishonor. Let me say it again. When you borrow anything from anyone, dao, chicken, salt, car, book, 100 rupees, pen, and you don't return it back, it is dishonor. It is dishonor. Nagas, we tend to do that many times. We borrow something, paurishe. Five lakh we paurishe. You borrow five lakhs and you forgot that also. <laughs> it's dishonor. If you borrow a car from someone, when you're returning it, wash it, put fuel in it, and give it back. That's called honor. It's true. It costs to honor. Do you know that? But there's always a blessing there. Can you say amen? When you honor, when you, when you borrow clothes from one another, if you're staying in the hostel, I'm sure you're borrowing clothes. Right? Don't wait for five days. All your sweat and your smell is there and you give it back. Wash it. Put perfume on it. And give it back that way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Don't call people up late at night. Especially your pastor. <laughs> Honor the gifts that people carry. Alright, there's always someone with a gift or ability that you don't have. Alright. Lastly, number 10. Honor yourself. Come on, say this with me. I will honor myself. Mark 12 verse 31 says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That means, even when you learn to honor yourself, don't do it selfishly. Love yourself so that you can love others. Ask for blessing so that you can be a blessing to the nations. There's a purpose for blessing. It's not for you. Your faith should not be always directed to your needs. Your wisdom is not always directed to your success. It's for others. God blesses you so that you can give and we can give to the nations so that the gospel can go to the nations. <clears throat> so, you must learn to honor yourself. How? In the same way God has loved you. Which means it's not selfishly, it's not loving ourselves above others, but loving ourselves so that we can love others in the same way. Can you say amen? How do I honor myself? Number one, very simple. Take a Sabbath rest once a week. Those of you who don't rest a single day of the week, you are dishonoring your body. It's true. You are dishonoring your body. You are not respecting your body. And your body is rebelling. How? By getting sick. You must honor your body. The principle of a Sabbath rest is there in scriptures. One day a week, rest from all labor. Rest. Now rest doesn't mean you just lie on the floor and do nothing. Rest means do what is giving you rest. Some of you are like, yeah, pastor, I rest in working. <laughs> no. I'm not talking about that kind of rest. Do something that brings you joy. Do something that makes you restful in your mind, in your body. Some of that could mean exercising. Some of that could mean going out on a picnic. But take a break from your daily routine once a week. That's respecting your body. Disease and sickness is connected to lack of proper rest and care. Did you know that? Rest. Do you know that most sicknesses are connected to lack of rest? Lack of rest. Lack of rest in the mind, 
leads to mental issues. Lack of rest in the soul leads to depression, soulish issues. Lack of rest in the body ultimately leads to, maybe in five years, ten years, heart disease, cancer, and so on. Rest. Because rest is healing. Rest is healing. When you rest, creativity flows. When you rest, energy is replenished. When you rest, there's protection. Many of the healings that Jesus did were on the Sabbath day, which means if you rest, your body is healing itself. When you rest, your body is healing. Number two, eat well. Respect your body by eating well. Eating well means eat the right amounts at the right time. Don't eat stuff that makes your body unwell, like jhal chana. Why, why at the middle of the night? It's disrespect of your body. It's true. I mean, we put lemon and then we put chili sauce on the lemon. Chili powder on the lemon, right? Nagas. And then we do salt. Why? Because we like that savory, tangy taste. And then it goes down in your stomach and it begins to attack your stomach. All that acid. You won't see the fruit of that immediately after, after years. Eat well. Overeating is disrespect of your body. Not eating enough is disrespect of your body. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I'm like, okay, another point. This is for everyone here. Dress well. How many bodies do you have? You have just one body. All right? Care for it. Dress well. Groom yourself well. I'm not saying always expensive brand clothes. No. Even if you wear simple clothes, if you carry yourself well, it's honoring to your body, honoring to yourself. Dress well. Can you say amen? Some of you take more care of your car than of your body. Your car, you can buy one. Today, after three years, you can buy another one. But your body, you have just one. Which also means to the ladies, dress modestly. Dress in a way where the whole world sees everything you have. It's for you. Amen. So dress in a way that you respect your own body. Hallelujah. How do I honor myself? Learn to say no to people. Don't do things that you are feeling manipulated or forced or you don't want to do it but you are manipulated because he says, you are my cousin. If you don't do this, it means you don't love me. If you don't do this, I will leave you. So people don't want to do it but they're compelled to say yes. But inside, they are dying and they're frustrated. Don't ever do that. Learn to say no to people. No. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I need to rest today. No, I'm sorry, I cannot invest in that. No, I'm sorry, I cannot accompany you there. No, I'm sorry. If you want me to do that, it means you don't love me. If a boy tells you, if you love me, you will sleep with me. That boy is a liar. And he's manipulating you. He doesn't love you. He's lusting after you. But because you don't want to lose his attention and because you're insecure, sometimes you're given. And later on, you have depression and problems. Learn to say no. Even if it means losing that person, learn to say no. Value yourself. Honor yourself more than what that situation is asking for. Can you say amen? Honor your mind. God's given you a brain. Respect. How do I respect your brain? My brain. Read books. Do you know that reading exercises your brain? and your brain becomes sharper and sharper. But if you stop reading, do you know your brain becomes dumber and dumber? It's true. You need to exercise your brain just to exercise your body. How do I exercise my brain? Read. Read. 
Not watch videos, read. Read books. Have discussion with people. That's how you exercise your brain. And that is respecting the mind that God has given you. I'm telling you the truth. There are people who are 90 years old, even today. One grandfather celebrated his 90 years birthday. His mind is so sharp, even today. His health is so strong, even today. He's here in Kohima. And the testimony that his own family have of him is this. Every day he reads the Bible, he quotes scripture, and he sings hymns. And wherever he goes, he quotes scriptures, he quotes scriptures, he quotes scriptures. Our own Naga. He doesn't have to be from America or from the West. Here. What a model. What an example. He just reads the Bible and keeps his mind sharp. Read for your mind's sake. How do I respect myself? Honor your talents. Use it. You can play the guitar, practice. You can cook, practice. When you use your talents, you're honoring yourself. When God has given you a talent and you don't practice, you don't use it, you're dishonoring yourself. But then you will like all the other people on Facebook, Instagram who have talents. When God's given you a talent, you don't love yourself. Honor yourself, love yourself. Honor Naga people. Honor Naga talents. Don't think the talented ones are always in Korea and in America, no. Honor the leaders here, honor the musicians, honor the preachers here in Nagaland. And we don't have to follow after people outside all the time. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. I hope I got the right scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Are you there? Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Do not neglect the gift that has come into your life. Do not neglect the talent God has given to you. Why? It's called honor. Let me show you another portion of scripture. Go to Peter. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Are you there? As each one has received the gift, all of us have gifts from God. Some of you have gift of encouragement. Some of you have gift of leadership, gift of teaching. Some of you have gift in the areas of diligence, serving. All of us have gifts. Music, singing. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. The word minister means serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The way you honor the gift God has given you is to serve others. So use your gift to serve others. And the church is the best place to actually serve because you are able to do it regularly, consistently. And you're serving others. It's not for your name or your fame. Some people want to serve, but only when the name is in the program, when the picture is on the flyer. That's not serving it to others. You're serving yourself. You're using the gift to serve yourself. But when you use the gift God has given you to serve the body like the KK did today. Amen. They're honoring God. They're honoring themselves and they honor us by blessing us with the gift. And God wants everyone to also do the same. How do I honor myself? Use your time wisely. Young people, you're not going to be young all the days of your life. You will reach a time and a day if you are not careful or wise where you will begin to regret all the time you wasted. Roaming around from cafe to cafe, taking selfie after selfie, you're going to regret that. In fact, the Bible says that the days of your youth are actually for hard work, not for pleasure. The days of the youth are actually for sowing seed into your life, learning, pursuing, seeking, training, equipping. Use your time well because that shows you honor yourself. Honor yourself. Oh, Pastor, I don't know. There's nothing to do. There's so many books you can read. 
When I was growing up as a youth here in Kohima, all our friends said, there's nothing to do. No sports field, no sports facilities, and so on and so on, and that time. But we did whatever we could. Wherever we found space, we just played. We didn't complain. Complaining is one of the most foolish things you can do. Wherever you are, you have to just use the circumstance, use the situation, and just function there. And God will take you from one level to another. Why? Because He's sharpening your attitudes, your character. There's always something to do. Even if you are in a place where there is not much opportunities, there's always something you can do to better yourself. Read. Get involved in the church. Take a course. Some people complain, complain, and complain, and before they realize it, four years have gone by. And they've lost that time when they could have done something and added something of value into their lives. All right? Let me close with this. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. The worship team can come up on stage. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. This is talking about honor between the generations. God's will in the last days, when the spirit of Elijah is moving on the earth, which means the spirit of revival and move the spirit, God wants to bring a healing in the generations. He wants to turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Saul was threatened by David's talent and ability. And so Saul got jealous of David. And Saul wanted to kill David. And usually we see that when generation of leaders, they get jealous of the younger generation who might be more talented, smarter, more gifted. And so Saul generation want to kill David with the words. This happened to me. Many pastors and leaders, they wanted to kill my ministry even before it started with the words. I'm knowing some of those things only now. Because to my face, they always said, ah, you're so good, Ango. You're so wonderful. But then now some of the younger ministers are coming and telling me, do you know that many of the pastors said, don't go to his church. Don't listen to his preaching. He's a false preacher. And then the same younger pastor telling me, but now I listen to YouTube. Every sermon. Because I've realized you're not a false preacher. So, I'm not trying to elevate me. I'm just bringing out an illustration how the soul generation want to kill David because David is more gifted and known. I'm not saying I'm more gifted than anointed, all right? That's what Saul wanted to do. See, the way the blessing flows from one generation to another generation is when the father's begin to see the younger generations and they're more talented and they're smarter and they're better looking and they have greater opportunities and so the Father honors and blesses and loves the younger generation without feeling threatened by them. That's what we want to do in this church. Amen. And the younger generation also, instead of being impatient with the elders and thinking that the elders only want to suppress us, they don't want to give us any opportunities, they start getting rebellious and they want to take what is not given to them in the right time, they bring a curse and destruction upon their own lives. So, the heart of the fathers turning to the children and the heart of the children turning to the fathers. How? Honor. Through a culture of honor. Respect waiting on the Lord's timing and wisdom to do everything. I'm in the time when I feel like I'm going to become a grandfather. I'm talking about not physical grandfather, spiritual grandfather. Because the Lord has been opening doors in the nations for me and I may not be here every Sunday to preach the word. And so other pastors have to come and fill in the void. And that time, all of you should not feel like, I have Baba Kodeshi. I have Baba Grandfather of the Bahadeshi. Did you get me? So, you should not feel like, oh yeah, if pastor's not there, I feel like Baba's not there. No. That's disrespect to the other pastors. The other leaders. Amen. 
If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.